0: All right. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. 528. 528 in the songbook. Hymn number 528. Let's all stand and sing in the service of the king. Hymn 528. Verse number one. I am happy
1: in the service of the king. I am happy. Oh, so happy. I have peace and joy that nothing else can bring in the service of the King. In the service of the King every talent I will bring. I have peace and joy and blessing in the service of the King. Verse number three. I am happy in the service of the King. I To His guiding hand forever I will cling in the service of the King. In the service of the King, every talent I will bring. I have peace and joy and blessing in the service of the King. Verse 4, I am happy in the service of the King. I possess to him I gladly bring in the service of the king, in the service of the king, every talent I will bring, higher peace and joy and blessing in the service
2: of the
3: king. Good evening, welcome to church tonight, and so glad you're all here. Uh, my family and I, while we were away on vacation, we went to church at uh, Lehigh Valley Baptist Church near Allentown, Pennsylvania. Anybody here ever been to that church? Just out of curiosity. Lehigh Valley Baptist is a pretty, pretty large independent Baptist church. I guess on a Wednesday night they probably had about 150 to 200 adults in the auditorium, and and it was uh, yeah, it was it was a nice service. Had a good time away, and so I'm encourage you to do the same when you go on vacation. Find a good church and attend. If you can't find a good church, then just go to church somewhere. And then if you didn't get anything on the sermon, then come back and watch the the, the, uh, the YouTube video of our service. But be in church uh, on uh, vacation. That's important. And uh, give your best to the Lord. So praise the Lord for a good day in the house of the Lord this morning. Is everyone enjoying the Revelation series? Oh, yeah. Getting anything out of that? All right. I would ask if anyone disagrees with anything I've said, but you'd all raise your hands. So uh, we won't go there, but I hope you're getting um, uh, getting something out of that and you're encouraged and excited. Tonight, we'll finish up our series on the Holy Spirit we've been doing over the last several weeks. And then next week starts awesome August Sunday night, so that'll be good. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting things planned this evening. Let's turn around and greet one another. We'll come back and sing that chorus in just a moment. Amen. Let's sing that chorus together. In the
4: service of the King, every talent I will bring, and joy and blessing in the service of the
3: King. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we open the service this morning. Continue to remember the Verone family as they grieve the loss of Mary. Jay's mother, and Melissa and Matt's grandmother, as well as Cindy's mom-in-law. Just pray for them. And the funeral service is scheduled to be here Saturday at 10 o'clock. Those of you that can, please come and be a an encouragement to the family. Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning first service. Pastor
5: David. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you tonight, we think of first of the Verone family. And we know how Miss Verone was in this church for many, many years. I think even... What... Possibly one of the founding members. I can't remember exactly, but been here for many, many years. And we know, of course, obviously she's doing great. She's up obviously in your presence. We pray for those she left behind. We think specifically of Jay and Cindy and Matt and Melissa, and we know just the whole extended family. We think of that as a testimony she left behind, changing, a course of course, a family tree, even to having her son become one of the deacons in the church. as a testimony to her love for you. We pray that you be able to comfort the own hearts. Be glorified through the funeral service that's going to happen on um, Saturday. We pray, Lord God, that now You'd help direct our attention to Your work tonight. That we would praise You, Lord God. That we would serve You through the offering, through the preaching, through all different aspects. That we would just lift You up, and we love You, Lord Jesus. We thank You, praising Your name. Amen. May be seated.
0: All right. Please take your hymn book to 553. In 553, we'll
1: sing our best. In 553. Verse 1. Hear ye the Master's call. Give me thy best. For be it great or small, that is His test. Do then you can not for reward not for the praise of man but be small, but unto him is do our best, our all. Verse 2. Wait not for men too long, He not their slight, winning the smile of God. soon comes on a pace, day hastens by. Workmen and work must face, testing on high. Those who have trusted Christ will find sweet rest. God will reward those who have
3: Visiting with us this evening. Very good. I want to call an attention to. I don't see any visitors tonight, man. Thank you. I want to call attention to one announcement that hasn't really received a whole lot of attention from the pulpit yet, and uh, I'm going to need some help on this. So, uh, when is Robin's baby shower? Is that the 14th? August 11th. Okay, I don't have a bulletin up here with me. August 11th, Robin Holly is uh, having a baby shower. They are expecting a little girl. They have three boys. This will be their first girl. And so um, pray for Jake. Jake doesn't know what he has coming for him. Uh, I have my son first. And i got to tell you, having a daughter is much different than having a son. And, uh, you know, you can be rough and tough with the boys and that little girl not so much. And then pray for the little girl because uh, she's going to have three rough boys uh, <laughs> to help her there. But nonetheless, we have a baby shower scheduled for her August 11th at 1 one o'clock in the afternoon. She is registered at Target. Ladies, please show up and attend and be a part of that. Robin and Jake. Jake and Robin have been part of our church for many, many years, and we want to be a blessing to them. You ladies do a great job of showing up at these events and uh, taking care of our mothers-to-be, so make sure we take care of of, uh, Miss Robin Holly with that. August 11th at 1 p.m., registered at Target. All right, at this time, our choir is going to come and sing for us.
5: Tonight with the bus report, I wanted to just take a moment and just again point out how this morning we had three former bus teenagers, kids. I think if Faith started coming to this church when she was a child in the the children's church, then came into the youth group. Now is a church member, is 18 years old and has grown up here. And uh, Bethany today, too. And Isaiah, you joined today, too, right, Isaiah? Yep. Isaiah today, too. How these guys have grown up here for a long period of time and I've just seen going from kids church to the teen group and now all the way to joining the um, church today as official church members. Man, that just is a hallelujah right there. That's just an amen, isn't it? It is great to see how God's been working in their lives. In and te- and church, That is a testimony about how you guys invested in them year after year. I, say, I know they've been coming for many, many years. Some of them even predate me being here and it's great to see how they've grown up here in the church and how their lives have been changed so far that's a testament to how the church has been working in their lives i wanted to just again just point out and glorify god for that i also want to give a a quick outreach report this is just one of those wild stories i just had kind of had to share last sunday night coming home from church um we were driving back i take river road up jump on jump on and off eight usually and then i told my wife, i just feel like we just need to go straight tonight i feel like the holy spirit tells me to go straight Got over to the other side of Bridge Street, and I was getting ready to make the right, there's a big crash in front of us. So someone just made the left-hand turn right in front of someone going straight. Of course, jump out of the car and make sure everyone's all right. One lady there had a small little baby. Uh, what did you say, like two? And I said, something up where they're still in diapers. Um, so it was raining. So he why don't you just go sit in my car until the police get here? I go around to the other car, and the back of the car is a big surfer that says, clergy. Like, oh, well, let me talk to this lady. Obviously, it's going to be fun talking to a lady at the thing's clergy on the back. And so I started talking to her. I said, oh, well, I'm an assistant pastor at Whitewood Baptist Church. She goes, oh, I'm a Wiccan. I started the first um, the first witch whatever thing here in Connecticut. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, trying to, I'm sort of trying to start talking to her. A, the correction was obviously her fault. It was her failure to yield. Um, And as I'm talking, the the police comes, and I'm making sure with this lady with this baby. Obviously, you want to make sure the baby's okay, right? Um, Do do you guys need a ride home? She says, oh, no, we we live just three or four houses down. Her husband actually walked to the accident. And and the the Wiccan goes, oh, I need a ride. (laughs) And, of course, I'm thinking, I don't want to have a Wiccan in my car. I mean, literally a Satan worshiper. I mean, I I I, I, I kind of got thinking about it for a half second. It's like, you know. If, if, she's ever go, if she goes to hell, and as of right now she is, she's going to go to hell over Christ's dead body, right? Over the fact that Jesus died on the cross for her sins. And am I going to be one of the stumbling blocks for it? So we, we got her in the car, we drove her um, home, which wasn't that far from, from where we were at. We drove her home, and just really just trying to witness her the whole time. Of course, she goes, well, let me, let me pay you some money for the ride. I don't want your money, I want you to get saved. And as Chris and I, both of us trying to witness to her, you know, it was just an amazing opportunity. Because normally, okay, someone literally claiming to be a witch, obviously, you kind of make sure you go, oh! <laughs> but it was just a good opportunity to witness to the Lord for someone who honestly obviously hates the Lord. She obviously turned away from God, right? That's how people get into that stuff, is they turn away from God. And it's a good a good reminder for me of, hey, you know, we got to make sure that just because they're in such an obvious dark sin like that, that we don't treat them mean or bad. We need to show them the love of Christ. I wanted to share that testimony because it's one of those, one of the more wild ones, right? Pastor Mike?
0: So, yesterday I was praying all day. I want to lead someone to the Lord. Uh, yesterday we visited my wife and I, a teenager on Denver Ave in Bridgeport, and we got to talking to him, and I don't know what was up with him, but he just, I don't know if he was not paying attention. He was a very smart young man. Uh, goes to school in orange, but lives in Bridgeport. Um, I don't remember the name of the school, but he was a smart young man and he, uh, was very kind, very polite and just every way I could attack him, so to speak with the gospel. I tried and he just, it just wasn't registering. And so this young man, um, he did not trust the Lord, but I made him think. And I showed him James. I said, um, uh, your life is a vapor. You know, it appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. And I left him with that. I said, you don't want to play with hell. You don't want to play with, you know, everlasting life and where you're going to spend. Unfortunately, you know, didn't trust the Lord. And so, you know, me and Rachel, we kept on continuing with our visits. I pull up to the Cumberland Farms gas station in Stratford, uh, right by the uh, I-95 South. Uh, highway And um, putting air in my tires, and then a kid comes up in his bicycle. He's going to put air in his tire. There's two uh, um, places where you could fill up uh, um, air with your um, tires. The other way around. And uh, I was like, I'm going to give that kid a track. I gave him a track and started talking to him a little bit, um, and he was, let me tell you, this kid was locked on. He was focused. Uh, he didn't turn to the left. He didn't turn to the right, as many people do when you witness to them. But he was locked onto me, and I was giving him the gospel, and he trusted the Lord. So I praise the Lord for that. Um, his name is Jaden. He lives right off of East Main Street in Shrefford, and so that's a quick pickup uh, for the bus ministry. Um, so I praise the Lord that Jaden trusted the Lord yesterday um, as we gave the gospel. Um, this is what we're all about, Amen. to do the work of the Lord. Amen. Let's see. Let's turn to our uh, song books to 336 and stand. Three, three, six. Amazing Grace. First and the last.
1: Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that it.
3: seated, then you can come on board as we prepare to collect the giving, uh, this evening. And just want to say that Stratford is filled with Jaden's, but Jaden not gotten the gospel. Jaden may not have trusted Christ. And so let's be faithful to, uh, have gospel tracks with us to ask people about their souls. You may run into people like the first visit who don't lock on, don't want to listen, but, um, The Jadens are out there, and boy, heaven's going to be filled with them. So let's do our part and be of that bright light in the dark world. And part of that being a bright light is giving. Let's continue to be faithful in our giving so that the gospel can both be shed abroad here in Stratford and around the globe. Let's pray for the offering this evening. Uh, Brother Saret, if you would, please lead us in prayer.
0: 65, please, Hymn 465, draw me nearer. We'll sing the first and the last, 465. I am
1: thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it's all thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be Blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side, verse four, there are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea, there are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest.
3: have you turn to two places this evening, First Samuel 16:13, as well as Acts 10:38. So if you can find your way to those two places, First Samuel 16:13 and then Acts chapter 10 verse 38. First Samuel 16 and Acts chapter number 10. While you're finding your way there, give me a little more volume on the wireless mic there if you don't mind, that'd be great. Um, while, you're, you, while you're finding your way there, um, we have uh, had, an incredible summer as far as conferences and extra services. Uh, we had a teen camp that a lot of our teenagers went up to, and they heard a lot of really good preaching up there. And then uh, we had neighborhood Bible time, and uh, the children and the teenagers heard a lot of preaching there. And then we've had uh, 15, I think it was close to 20 of our church members went down to the conference in New Jersey last week. And just heard incredible preaching. Um, I wasn't there, but I watched uh, clips on social media through my wife's social media. She showed me some of that. And so there's just been a lot of really good things going on. I know that has really stirred a lot of hearts in our church. I was telling Pastor Mike earlier this afternoon, I said, if you've gone all three of those and you're still backslidden, there's not much hope for you. uh, But um, uh, we have another conference coming up. And this one is a big deal to me. Uh, Last March, uh, March a year ago, I guess, no, it would have been March of, yes, March of 17, we hosted a Sunny School Teachers Workshop Conference here at the church. How many of you remember that? Attended that? Okay. We brought in some special speakers, Pedro Morales, Jim Montoro, and Justin DeRosa, and they were teaching us about Sunny School, and right after that, we switched up the format to where it currently is, and so I wanted to do another Sunday school training uh, session, but I attended a conference down in New Jersey last year, and it was so well done that I thought instead of hosting one, we're just going to take everyone to that. So if you are a part of the leadership of our church, whether you're um, on the pastoral staff or you're a deacon or you're a Sunday school teacher, um, I would really like you to go. The date is September 8th. It's a Saturday. It's an all-day event. We'll leave early in the morning. We'll get back uh, later in the afternoon or evening. And if you're not on the leadership team but you'd like to go, a bus captain, uh, or a further, we would encourage you to do that. We are going to be taking church transportation. Clearly, if you want to drive down yourself, you can, but that's September 8th. And i got to tell you, my wife and I went last year. They had me speak at it. They're having me speak at it again this year. I'm not like one of the main speakers, but they have work breakout workshops. I'm teaching one of the workshops, and it was a blessing to our hearts. Uh, there were probably ooh, four to 500 uh, Sunday school teacher workers there, and it, it really will encourage you. It really will encourage you. They have workshops that will equip you to do a better job with that. If you just wanted to go and and have your heart touched with good preaching to be a better uh, Christian, I would encourage you to be a part of that. But that's September 8th. If you teach Sunday school here, I'm going to ask you to make every effort to go. Now, that's about a a little over a month out. So, uh, rearrange your schedule if you have to. But I'd like all of the Sunday school workers to go. And I'll be giving you more information about that. But that's September 8th. So, if you're a Sunday school teacher, and if you teach an adult class, I would like your wives to go with you. Um, So... Bring your wives along with, and you'll, you'll both get a lot out of that. So I wanted to make that announcement. There will be more in the bulletin in the weeks to come, and obviously you can call me or text me if you have any further questions. Let's stand this evening for the reading of God's Word. 1 Samuel 16, we'll start there, and then we'll go over to Acts chapter 10. 1 Samuel 16 and verse number 13. The Bible says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, in the midst of his brethren, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David. From that day forward, so Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Here we find Samuel going to, uh, to going to uh, David's house. David's drawn out of the field, and he is anointed with oil. The Bible tells us that when he was anointed with oil, 1 Samuel sixteen thirteen, that the spirit of the Lord. Came upon him. We've talked about in the Old Testament, not all believers were uh, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but God did choose to allow certain believers to have that, and David, as a young boy, was. Turn over to Acts chapter 10, and verse number 38. The Bible says there. Acts 10:38 How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him So Samuel was anointed with oil the spirit of the Lord or rather David was anointed with oil the spirit of the Lord came upon him God anointed Jesus with the oil of the Holy Ghost in the New Testament and great power came upon him through that anointing Tonight we're going to compare the Holy Spirit to oil, and we're going to ask this question, is it time for a fresh anointing? Is it time for a fresh anointing? Let's pray. God, tonight we ask that you would touch us, help us, Lord, to understand clearly your word. God, we've preached a lot about the Holy Spirit this year, but Lord, so vital and important it is that we understand this, and so Lord, as we touch on this subject in depth one more time. Lord, may those that are holding out and not giving in totally to the Holy Spirit, not submitting to Him, may, we, may tonight be the night. Holy Spirit, would You anoint us. Would you, would you anoint us anew with Your power. Lord, may what we say, may how we behave, or may how we live our lives reflect the fact that You are calling the shots from within. Help us to submit our hearts to you. And Lord, anoint us with that oil. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I want everybody here to go with me on an imaginary journey to a car factory. All right, we're going to go and stand in a loft of a warehouse, loft room of a warehouse. You have vending machines rattling behind you. You've got a lunch room set up there. You've got either a cup of coffee or your preferred beverage, maybe a tea or soft drink in your hand. And we're standing there and we're looking down through the window at the car factory as the machines put the cars together. The robots, rather. Here we see robots hard at work assembling the cars. Each car gets doors, gets seats, gets windows, windshields steering wheels they get hoods and trunks most get cup holders and automatic windows then we turn and we go and looked out look out uh, the loft through another set of windows where the luxury cars are being assembled and these fancy cars they get some of the latest and greatest technology they get fancy screens with gps systems put in them and they get lane control um, uh, added and they get mirrors that tell you when someone is in your blind spot and these cars, some of them have heated and cool it, cooled, heated and cooled seats and steering wheels. We watch from a room and we watch from our place in the loft as these cars are assembled, but then we watch as they are pushed off the line with no engine installed. No engine installed. Um, With no engine, these cars are totally useless for travel. They can be used to camp out in. You can recline the seats back up and down, and you can listen to the radio, maybe, if you hook up an alternate source. There's no engine. Um, Now imagine that they go back and put an engine in the car. With it comes washer fluid. Transmission fluid, power steering fluid, and radiator coolant. But they never pour oil into the engine block. No oil. If you try to run this engine without oil, you're going to destroy the vehicle. We had a lady that worked at the college that, uh, that uh, Angela and I attended, and she was a widow And the college had given her a car to drive. And the college maintained the car. She went past her oil change and went well past the oil change and then went 10,000 miles past the oil change and the oil light came on. Surprise, surprise. Well, that oil light bugged her so she got a piece of black electric tape and she covered up the oil light. Well, when the car started to spitter and sputter and have serious issues, she drove it in and Brother Oswardy, the college mechanic, got in the car and he turned it on and he said, what's this piece of black tape doing here? When he removed it, there was the oil light. The car had not had an oil change in 20,000 miles. A lot of Christians live their Christian life that way. You see, when you get saved, your spiritual engine gets installed. You become alive in Christ. But, but, many of us live our lives without the oil of the Holy Spirit running in us and through us. And we are like that widow's car, spittering and sputtering along. Oh, we can come to church and fake it. But privately, we know that our Christian life is in shambles. Um... Several weeks ago, we compared the Holy Spirit to fire in the introduction of one of the sermons. Two weeks ago, we compared the Holy Spirit to water. Tonight, we're going to turn our attention to yet another symbol of the Holy Spirit. This symbol is oil. Oil. I propose that we must have a regular, fresh anointing or cleansing or pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon our lives on a regular basis. I propose that the Holy Ghost of God empowers us. It anoints us. It protects us. We're going to look at three main thoughts tonight, and we're going to see how the Holy Spirit is compared to the properties of olive oil in Scripture. Let's consider this question, shall we? Is it time for a fresh anointing? Is it time for a fresh anointing. Point number one tonight. Notice the Holy Spirit is the oil that empowers. The Holy Spirit is the oil that empowers. Now I want you to forget that you live in 2018 and back up the clock and place yourself prior to the invention of electricity. All right? We're living in a time where there are no uh, uh, wall sockets. Brother Vara, you'd be out of, out of a job. There would be no running lines, no master electricians. Electricity only existed in the sky through lightning strikes, right? And so there was no, um, uh, there was no electricity. How did they light the room back then? They used, commonly, oil lamps. Oil lamps. Um, where there was no oil in the lamp, there was no light on the lamp. Everybody understand that? You can have a lamp all day, but if you've got no fuel, you've got no lamp. You got no light, rather. You have the lamp, but you don't have any light. Now, the oil fueled the lamp. Is that simple enough for everybody? You got to have the oil if you're going to have light on the lamp. Uh, the oil empowered the lamp. Now, uh, we know that the tabernacle was filled with great symbolism, and lamps were part of that symbolism. Can you turn back with me to Exodus chapter 27? Exodus chapter 27. We're done in Acts, if, you, if you're marking, and hold your place in First Samuel. We'll come back there at the end of the sermon. But uh, we're done in Acts. Uh, Exodus chapter 27, in verse number 20. The, the temple... The tabernacle rather was filled with symbolism. If you ever want a, a great, rich, deep Bible study and you want to see some amazing things, go back and study how the temp- tabernacle was designed and set up and how Christ is symbolized. In everything, including the very garment that the high priest wore, every aspect and detail of the high priest's garment screamed uh, the Messiah. Uh, every every part about the way that the tabernacle was laid out, all of the furniture in the tabernacle, uh, all of it symbolized the coming Messiah. Look at Exodus chapter twenty-seven and verse number twenty. And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure oil, uh, pure oil olive beaten for the light uh, to cause the lamp to burn always in the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall order it from evening to morning uh, before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever unto their generations on the behalf of the children of Israel. So there were these lights that were always burning in the tabernacle, but in order to have those lights empowered they needed the oil the olive oil the beaten olive oil they needed that there uh, an interesting study there is how the olives used to be crushed in order to get that oil, just like Jesus was crushed for us before we could receive the oil of the Holy Spirit, uh, in our lives, uh, the death and resurrection and ascension of Christ had to first happen. But uh, the Holy Spirit symbolized by oil and we can see the spirit of God symbolized in the very tabernacle. Let me give you here, uh, quickly a couple of subpoints. Notice letter a, it empowers the lamp of the Bible. It empowers the lamp of the Bible. Um, Turn over with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. You can leave your place in Exodus. 1 Corinthians 2. While you're reading there, can I read a verse or quote a verse to you that probably all of you know? Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What is the word of God? It is a lamp. It is a lamp. Now, again, a lamp without oil... ...cannot produce light. Everybody understand that? We're we're talking about pre-electricity. And even today, if you have a lamp... ...you must have the fuel of electricity... ...running to it before that's powered. But a lamp without oil... ...an oil lamp without oil does nothing. What does this book... ...mean to someone who is not saved... ...if they don't have the oil of the Holy Spirit... To make the lamp come alive, it means nothing. I'm going to prove it to you. Look at First Corinthians two, thirteen. Look there. It says, "Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but with the holy, uh, which the Holy Ghost teacheth." Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Look at verse 14. But the natural man, the the unsaved man, the lost man, the the godless man, uh, the the, the man devoid of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for uh, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Uh, What is the lamp of the Word of God, devoid of the oil of the Holy Spirit? It is a lamp with no light. It is a lamp with no light. Christian, if you are saved today and you have the oil of the Holy Spirit inside of you, as you read this book, you ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand it. It is the oil that makes the lamp of the Word of God come to light inside of you so you can understand it. What is the Holy Spirit? He is Oil. He is the oil that brings the lamp of the Word of God to light and shines down uh, on our feet and shines out on our path. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love there this symbolism of that. Uh, Many people say, I don't know what God's will is for my future. I don't know where it is I'm supposed to go or what it is I'm supposed to do or maybe who it is that I'm supposed to marry or if I'm even supposed to get married. Or I don't know the future uh, of, of, of a relationship and how I'm to handle that. The details are not clear clearly explained in the Bible. And I would say, thy word is a lamp to your feet. It shows you exactly the next step to take in the process, but it's also a light to the path. It doesn't just show you what's right in front of you for tomorrow. It shows you what's out in front of you for the next several days. But if the Holy Spirit of God is not in control in your life, then the Bible doesn't really mean a whole lot to you, does it? You know why people that are carnal don't read the Bible? Because the Holy Spirit is Is not helping them. Have you ever been there in your Christian life where you have sat down and you've read your Bible and you've closed it and you thought to yourself, I didn't get anything out of that? Has that ever happened to you? It's time for a fresh anointing. It's time for a fresh anointing. It's time to let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you through those devotions and bring the lamp of the word of God to light and let it shine in your life. And that's a sign that maybe the Holy Spirit isn't uh, doing his part as you read the word of God. Let her be noted. It empowers the lamp of the church. Not only is the Holy Spirit the oil that brings the lamp of the Bible to light, the Holy Spirit is the oil that brings the lamp of the church to light. Uh, corporately, uh, turn over to Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 20. Corporately speaking, we know that, the, uh, that Jesus uh, calls the church... Uh, But churches as a light in the world, a light in the world. Look here, uh, Revelation 1 verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are seven churches. So rather, God compares the church to a candlestick, a candlestick. Look down at Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5. We find him his warning against the church of Ephesus for having left their first love or doing the works of Christ without loving the the Christ of the works. Look at Revelation 2, 5. It says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first work or else uh, works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. So this church is a is a candlestick and the candlestick is fueled by the oil of the Holy Spirit. You see if the Holy Spirit's not at work in a church, then that church really isn't of God. Really isn't doing the work of God. There are a lot of there are a lot of places in Stratford and and beyond that are religious institutions, religious institutions that have church on the sign and they gather and they meet and they have their religious ceremony and they open up uh, some version of the Bible. Many, oftentimes it's not even the right version of the Bible. They open up the Bible and they go through their rituals and they go through their ceremonies and they go through uh, uh, the, the regular routine, but the Holy Spirit of God is not at work in that church. The oil of the Holy Spirit is not fueling the candlestick of that church and the light is just not there. That's why these churches many of which are falling apart and closing their doors the holy spirit's not at work How about individually? Matthew chapter 5. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to work your fingers tonight as we go throughout the scripture. I don't want you to think I'm making any of this up. I want you to see these truths right from the Bible yourself. Matthew chapter 5, we find Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He's uh, uh, new in his uh, ministry, and he's speaking here to his disciples, probably large in number, and he's instructing to them with great authority how it is that, uh, his ministry is going to be, and what the, um, uh, the message, the main message he's trying to convey through his ministry, Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 14, and remember that back then, they didn't think of a light like we do. They thought of the light inside of an oil lamp. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And they give it light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. They may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Christian, to have the Holy Spirit in charge is to be a Christian who's busy shining the light of Jesus on others. If the Holy Spirit is truly leading you, then you can't help but be a light in a dark world. You can't help but cringe at the dirty joke at the work table or at the lunch table at work. You can't help but change the channel when... Uh, things come up on the TV that are sinful. Can't help it. You don't sit there and, and absorb it and shrug it off. You, you change the channel. If the Holy Spirit's at work in your life and you see somebody who is uh, stuck in an accident, you give them a track or you, you stop and you offer them help and you offer them the gospel. If you're at the gas station and there's someone on the other side of the pump, you take out a gospel track and you hand that to them. If you have a coworker at work who's struggling in their marriage, you offer them the light of the truth of the Word of God and you encourage them to come with you to the house of God so they can hear the Word of God to help them through their problems. Why? Because if the Holy Spirit is that oil, He's burning alive in your heart and that light is coming out you become that lamp in which shines the light on the world interestingly enough it says let your light so shine before men why that they may see your good works and glorify who glorify you glorify your father which is in heaven you know if i take a bright light and i shine it out no one looks at the source of the light they look at where the light lands you shine the light for the Lord Jesus Christ, and what people see, they don't see the you. They see where the light lands, and then they glorify the God who gave you that light. I've always likened uh, uh, us as that, as that glass around that light. Picture with me an oil lamp that is filled with soot and it's dirty on the inside and you take a rag and you get down in there and you clean off the inside of it and the cleaner you make that glass globe, the brighter the light shines and the further it goes forth and our life, our flesh is that dirty shell and when we get right with God, we're cleaning off the inside of, of our heart and our life and our actions and what happens is Jesus Christ who saved us, the Holy spirit that lives inside of us begins to shine forth and people can see uh, our god and our savior but the problem is many christians live with so much sin in their life that we dim down the light of god and people can't see it we're also really good at knowing how to quickly cover that up with a bushel or a basket so no one can see oh here comes my buddy i better cuss a little bit so he'll like me a little bit more or oh, uh, here comes the uh, uh, my neighbor. I better talk about things that are secular and non-religious because I'd hate for him to know that I'm a Christian. What we're doing is we're putting a bushel over that light. The oil of the Holy Spirit might be burning in your life, but you quench and you extinguish and you grieve the Holy Spirit. We see the uh, letter, uh, we see number one, we see the Holy Spirit is oil that empowers, oil that empowers. Christian, is the power of the Holy Spirit alive in your life tonight? Are you working for God? Is His the oil of him, is it burning inside of you and allowing the light of God's word to lead you and guide your way? Is that oil burning inside of you tonight and allowing uh, your light to shine forth in the dark world? Is everything you do, your prayers, are they heard? Are they answered? Are you moving forth for the Lord? Is that that oil of the Holy Spirit alive inside of you tonight? Number one, the Holy Spirit is oil that empowers. Or are you a Christian that lives the Christian life uh, with, without that fresh anointing, without that, without that oil alive and burning in your heart and you're walking by the deeds of your own flesh? Number two, we see the Holy Spirit is the oil that anoints. Is the oil that anoints. Let me give you a letter A and a B here. The, the oil anoints the priests. The oil Anoints the priest. Turn over with me to Exodus chapter number 29. Exodus 29. I guess I should have had you hold your spot there. Exodus chapter 29. Look with me at verse number 7 when you get there. We're going to see here how that um, Moses was asked by God or told, by, uh, told commanded by God to anoint uh, Aaron, his brother, to be the first high priest and that the priest's office, that those men would be set apart through the anointing oil that was dumped on their head. Look at verse seven. Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him and thou shalt bring his sons and put coats upon them and thou shalt gird them with girdles, Aaron and his sons and put the bonnets on them. And the priest's office shall be uh, theirs for perpetual uh, statue uh, and thou shalt consecrate, consecrate Aaron and his sons. So we see here that the high priests were set apart by having their heads Anointed or they were appointed, they were set aside and and consecrated. What for? For the work of the Lord, to be a priest. What did a priest do? A priest mediated between God and man. That's what the priest did. The priest took the sacrifice and put it on that brazen altar there in the courtyard in front of the tabernacle and tied that offering down and sacrificed it and caused all the the blood to be spilled and shed over the edge of of the altar there. And the, the priest would take the blood, the high priest, once a year and go to the Holy Holies and sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant. And God would accept that to forgive the people of their sins. So the priest had to be anointed with the Oil with the oil. We also know that Jesus was the great high priest that was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Right at the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus said this Luke chapter 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Anointed me. Acts 10, where we started tonight, says the same thing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. That would be all of us. We're bruised by sin, and we have the liberty of Christ offered. Now, Jesus was the final priest. Final priest. You know why I'm not a priest? You know why I don't wear my collar backwards? You know why I am married? Glory, hallelujah. I could never be a Catholic priest. I love my wife too much. Amen? those, Those poor men can't get married by their religion. You know why I'm not a priest and why I'm a pastor? Because Jesus was the last priest in the Bible. There's a reason why when Jesus died on the cross, God reached down from heaven and took the veil of the temple and whoop, we don't need that thing anymore. Jesus is the final priest. He is the mediator between God and man, Timothy tells us. Now, you say, then how do I communicate with God? Well, you are your own high priest. Don't you think, please don't miss this, this is powerful. I feel like I've lost some of you tonight. Please give me your attention. Don't you think if Aaron needed to be anointed, if you're a priest, don't you think you need to be anointed? Turn to Revelation chapter 1 with me. Revelation chapter 1, look at verse number 5. The Bible says there, I'm going to get in reading, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth and to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto uh, God and, and his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want you to picture Moses that day dumping the oil over Aaron's head, anointing him to be the priest. If you're your own priest with God, don't you think that you need the dumping of the Holy Spirit over your spiritual head? That anointing? Christian, can I just ask you a question? Is the Holy Spirit really calling the shots in your life when you're belittling your spouse? You're complaining about traffic on the way home? You're misbehaving and arguing? You're uh, watching that filth on TV? You're flipping through and looking at things on your phone you ought not to? Is the Holy Spirit really in charge? Can you really say that you're a priest that's been anointed by God? You see, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit indwelled you. You must make a conscious choice to have the Holy Spirit anoint you, to be anointed by him. Let Letter be the oil anoints the king's. You have your place back in 1st Samuel 16 where we started? If you do, you can flip there. If not, I'll read it to you. 1st Samuel 16:13. The Bible says, "Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, who David, in the midst of his brethren, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David. From that day forward" Saul was anointed with oil in 1 Samuel 10. Solomon was anointed with oil in 1 Kings 34. Uh, So uh, Saul, the first king, anointed with oil to uh, be consecrated and set apart and lead the country of Israel. And then uh, uh, David anointed in 1 Samuel 16. Solomon anointed to be king in 1 Kings 34, pastor, has God made me royalty? Well, the passage we just read in Revelation 1 says that he's made us kings and priests. And I have to say this evening that if you're saved, you've been made royalty. Our God is the king of kings. Our God is the Lord of lords. There was a day where I sat on the front pew of a church. I bowed my head. And I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. And that day, you know what happened is that Jesus had me adopted into the family of God. Jesus looked at me and said, hey, brother, you are my brother. And he is our Abba Father, our daddy. And you are now an heir to the throne. And you are now in line to take the throne. You're never going to take it because he's never going to die. But you're royalty, man. You're in. You're in the family. Romans chapter 8, I'm not going to read it tonight, but 14 through 17 tells us that we are led by the Spirit of God. We are the sons of God, that uh, we have an inheritance through the Spirit of God. And tonight i got to tell you that if you're in the family of God, God has made you an heir to the throne. In Revelation, He's called you a King And just as the kings of Israel were set apart and filled with the Spirit of God by the anointing of oil, we too must have the oil of the Holy Spirit dumped upon us. The Holy Spirit is oil that empowers. It's oil that anoints. Number three, notice the Holy Spirit is the oil that protects. It is the oil that protects. Everyone, if you could, take your Bible to the 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23. I know most of you have it memorized, but lay your eyes on it anyway. And let's take this in with every sense that we can, both with our memory, with our sight. In fact, let's do it with our voice. Let's read the 23rd Psalm out loud together. You ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This 23rd psalm has been labeled the shepherd's psalm. We know that God is our shepherd and we are his sheep. David most likely wrote this one night while sitting... Down under a tree watching his sheep as they slept in the field. And with a harp in his hand and staring up at the stars in the sky. He took out a piece of parchment and pen and he wrote out uh, the 23rd Psalm. Notice there in verse 5 it says, Thou anointest my head with oil. Notice letter A, the oil protects the sheep from sickness. The oil protects the sheep from sickness says here, sheep are particularly susceptible to flies landing on their noses. These flies travel up the sheep's nose and lay eggs, which turn into worms that can burrow into the animal's brain. Then the sheep will bang their heads, trying to get rid of the irritation. They can die from this. So each day the shepherd pours oil on the sheep's nose, and the flies slide out instead of flying in. I want you to picture that. Christian, we need a fresh anointing. These little bugs fly around our spiritual head called sin and temptation. They fly up our nose. They lay eggs. They create great problems for us. You say, Pastor, I've had this sin that's been plaguing me for years. Maybe it's because the Holy Spirit is not anointing your head with oil regularly. Your spiritual head. How do you overcome that? You don't overcome... Well, please hear me on this. Let me give you something very practical right here. You don't overcome a sinful habit by wanting to overcome it real bad. Now, there is some want to involved. But what it really comes down to is not how bad do you want to defeat your habit... Or the sinful temptation that's been getting you for years. It's how bad do you want to submit to the Holy Spirit of God and give Him control. Because as you submit, that oil is dumped on your spiritual head. And those sinful temptations, they slide away. Some of you here tonight are trying to overcome some sort of habit. Some uh, some of you here tonight have a habit that is rather public. Others of you in here tonight, and I'd say this is the majority of you, you have a habit that's in your life that's been plaguing you for years that's quite private. Maybe one or two people know about it. Maybe it's a temper that only your family sees at home. Maybe it's a, an addiction to lust that takes place in the most private settings that no one knows about. Maybe it's a spirit of covetousness or a snooty, proudful attitude, and you've tried to get rid of it, but you just can't. Could it be that you're not really submitted to the Holy Spirit? You say, Pastor, I try to quit yelling at my wife, but I just couldn't do it. If you were married to her, you'd yell at her too. That might be, I don't know. But I know this. If you'd quit trying to be strong-willed and stop yelling and you'd just start submitting to God, He'd give you the grace to know how to stop yelling. Say, Pastor, I've been trying to quit drinking alcohol or smoking whatever for years, and I just can't quit. Maybe it's time to quit trying to quit, and it's time to start trying to submit to the Holy Spirit of God so the oil can be dumped on your head, and those flies, those, those, those bugs, those insects of temptation and sin will quit crawling up your nose and creating great problems. The Holy Spirit can protect us. He can protect us. For the sheep, he can protect the sheep from sickness. Tonight, it could be that you have a sin sickness. Solomon reminds us in the book of Song of Solomon that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's those little sin temptations that get us. There's a principle that uh, is used in the Reformers' unanimous uh, material. And I'm beginning down an intellectual trail that I... Can't remember the end to here. Let's see here. Um, uh, the the principle uh, here it is. Um, little compromises lead to great defeats. Well, you know I I can I can I I can raise my voice once. Okay, that's a little compromise. I can use a sharp word over here once. Little compromise. The next thing you know it it's full blown rage. Right? I can watch a a, a television. Uh, commercial with alcohol in it and then I can walk through the liquor store and, and you know you have a problem with alcohol those little compromises lead to great defeats. I can walk through the grocery store, and I can look at the girl on the magazine cover with a low-cut shirt, and, and I can have a couple of seconds or less. That won't get me, and then it le- leads to looking at something that's uh, a little bit more uh, uh, graphic in nature on a, on a screen, uh, whether it's a television or your phone, and the next thing you know, you're involved in, in looking at things that are filthy, and the next thing you know, you're uh, having uh, uh, an extramarital affair a spouse. And what happened? It was a little compromise that led to a great defeat. And the little foxes spoiled the vine. It was a little insect that crawled up that spiritual nose of yours and, and laid eggs and those eggs hatched into worms and burrowed into your spiritual brain. And you end up bashing your brains out uh, spiritually and you fall out of church and you're nothing more of a casualty. Why? Because you could not learn how to submit to the Holy Spirit of God and let that oil be dumped on your head to give you the victory. Let her be. We see the Oil protects the sheep from other sheep. The oil protects the sheep from other sheep. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Um, you know what sheep are like? Sheep are like humans, or maybe I should say humans are like sheep. There's a reason why God compared us to sheep. You know what sheep are? They're dumb. Sometimes I look at decisions people make and I make and I think What were you thinking? And the answer is, they weren't. You know what? uh, Sheep oftentimes go the wrong way. How many of you here ever had a mom tell you, uh, you said, well, can I go do this? And she said, no. And you said, well, why not? Everybody else is doing it. What's the old line? If everyone else jumped off a bridge, would you follow them off the bridge? Uh, And i got to say, the average person, uh, yes, they would. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean it's okay. Right? We understand that? Well, what is a characteristic of sheep that's similar to humans? Sheep get irritated with each other, and then they start butting heads. They start doing this right here. They start backing up and running into each other. One sheep will get it, lose its temper with another one, and it will run into another sheep and knock them over. That sheep will get up. And he'll say in his sheep language, he'll say, If you're going to run into me, I'll run into you. And he knocks him over, and then the next thing you know, the two of them are doing this right here. And I've got to say, there are churches that have people that do this right here, there are marriages that have people that do this right here. There are father and son, uh, father-daughter, mother-son, mother-daughter relationships that do this right here. There are brothers and sisters that do this right here. There are deacons in other churches, not ours, thank God, that do this right here. There are pastors that do this right here. There are pastor's wives that headbutt just like this. And the the truth is that if we would wake up every morning and we would ask God to dump His oil on top of our spiritual head, then what would happen is that oil would act act like grease. And when we... If you hit each other in the head. Incidentally, we would roll right off, and there wouldn't be a whole lot of damage done. There'd be a lot of grace there. And tonight, what we need is we need a fresh anointing. Some of you hear a constant conflict with your spouse constant conflict with adult children or or your parents, constant conflict with other people, your boss at work. And I got to say tonight, it's time that we dump the oil of the Holy Spirit right on us. And we glide off of each other instead of conflicting great wounds to each other. You show me a church where the people are submitted to the Holy Spirit of God. And I'll show you a church of people that while there might be some personality conflicts, they get along. You show me a marriage of two people that wake up every morning and ask God, to anoint their head with oil. And I'll show you two people that while they might have conflicts, they figure it out. They learn how to get along. And while there might be some conflicts, the turnaround time to having things better is just fine. You show me uh, uh, people that have the oil of God dumped on their head and I'll show you peacemakers. Peacemakers. Some of you here tonight, the reason why you can't get along with anybody is because you're so full of yourself. You're not submitted to the Holy Spirit. You're the one calling the shots and the oil of the Holy Spirit's just not dumped on your head. When are you going to submit, Christian? When are you going to give in? When are you going to say, "My way has made me miserable long enough. I'm tired of losing to sin. Tired of falling to temptation. I'm tired of a bad marriage." I'm tired of poor parenting or or, or or bad relationships with my parents. I'm tired of not getting along at work with others. I'm tired of losing and, and fighting a losing battle. Holy Spirit of God, I submit my heart to you. I submit my life to you. You can have control. Dump your oil all over me. Oh Christians, tonight, that's what we need. Take your Bible back to First uh, Timothy or 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. I'm going to show you a few more verses in closing tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. Here we find the young David, a young boy, overlooked by his dad. Samuel looking to anoint the next king of Israel. And all the brothers passed by, impressive on the outside, but God could see through the veneer and see what was on the inside. And Samuel looks at the dad and says, do you not have any more sons? And Oh, I forgot about David. He's out in the field. Well, let's bring him in. David, just a young young man. First Samuel sixteen, thirteen. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. David anointed with the oil the first time. But you see that first anointing of David was was good, but it wasn't enough. Turn to second Samuel chapter two and verse four. Second Samuel chapter two verse four. David's been chased all over the wilderness by Saul, who's jealous of him. You see, after the first anointing, David would slay Goliath. David would lead uh, the armies of Israel as its general. David would be a uh, uh, David would be on the run and and, and 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 be chased by Saul. And then after Saul would die, David needed a fresh anointing. Look at Samuel, Second Samuel two four. The Bible says, and the men of Judah came. And there they anointed David king over the house. Of Judah. And they told David, saying that the men of Jabesh Gilead uh, were, uh, were, were they that buried Saul. So now he's going to become king of a city named Hebron for seven years. But prior to that uh, ruling and reigning in Hebron, he needed to be anointed yet a second time. You say, well, pastor, surely after a second anointing, David was all set. No, yet David needed an anointing a third time. Turn over to second Samuel chapter five and verse number three. David's now reigning in Hebron for seven years, and Israel's ready to make him the king of all of the nation. Look at 2 Samuel 5, 3. The Bible says, so all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David King over Israel. David knew that in order to be the believer that he was supposed to be, he needed a fresh anointing. David knew that in order to lead the people that were looking up to him, he needed a fresh anointing. David knew that in order to have the power of God on his life, he needed fresh anointing. David knew that in order to have the wisdom of God, he needed yet a fresh anointing. Uh, Take your Bible over to the book of Psalm chapter 92, Psalm chapter 92 in verse number 10. You see, David would find himself at various times in his life, feeling powerless and alone, afraid and not knowing where to go and what to do. And David would cry out in Psalm chapter 92 in verse number 10. And he said this, but my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. With fresh oil. To the pastors here tonight, is it time that you're anointed with fresh oil? To the deacons here this evening, men, is it time the oil of the Holy Spirit of God be dumped on us anew? The Sunday school teachers and bus workers and nursery workers and ushers and and, and youth workers and children's workers. Is it time tonight that the oil of the Holy Spirit be dumped anew on us so we can do great things for God in this community? To the husbands tonight, God has called you to lead your wives, to sanctify them through the washing of the water of his word. Is it time that the oil of the Holy Spirit be dumped on you anew? To the wives here this evening, God has called you to be submissive to your husbands and revere them and honor them. You say, my husband's not very honorable. God's called you to do it anyway. Is it time tonight that the oil of the Holy Spirit be dumped on you anew? To the Christian here tonight, is God using you to be a witness to a dark world? Is that oil lamp lacking the oil of the Holy Spirit burning bright inside of it? Tonight, Christian, is it time to have a fresh anointing of God all over us and in us? We need the Holy Spirit of God. His Oil dumped on us anew. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Is it time for a fresh anointing? God, would you move in our hearts and our midst? Would you do a mighty work during our invitation? Oh, Lord God, would you help us to seek that fresh anointing like David sought it? Lord, would you do something great? Lord, we know all about you, Holy Spirit. We've studied you. We've, we've, We've looked at every angle and aspect of you. Intellectually, we get it. Now we must make a choice to submit and have you lead us, anoint us, empower us, and protect us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. The piano's playing. The altar's open. How about it tonight, Christian? Is it time for a fresh anointing? Have the Holy Spirit dumped on you anew. The Lord's working in your heart. Will you come and kneel and ask the Lord to give you that fresh anointing? It's time to quit battling and fighting and struggling through marriage. It's time to quit battling and fighting and struggling through the Christian life. It's time to quit Teaching a Sunday school class through our own power, our own strength. It's time to quit trying to go to work and do our own affairs through our own might, our own power. Oh let may God anoint us tonight. Can everybody take the hymnal in front of them and turn to number two? While you're turning there, the title of the song is "Holy, Holy, Holy." You know, a big uh, problem in the church, churches in America in 2018 is that personal holiness has just been thrown out the window a lot in a lot of ways. We've, we've preached on the Holy Spirit for weeks now. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make us holy. That means free from sin. Now why? Just make sure you understand where I'm going with this here. We are to be free from sin, not so we can be filled with self-righteousness. That's Phariseeism. We're to be free from sin so we can grow closer to our God. The Holy Spirit's purpose of cleaning us up is not so we turn back and thumb our nose at the world. The world needs our compassion, not our, not our self-righteousness. Amen? Amen? You see someone broken by sin, you reach down and help them. You don't belittle them. You don't try to live above them. We're made holy so we can glorify God and do his work better. So as we sing holy, holy, holy tonight, we're going to do the first and the fourth verse. When we get to the fourth verse, we'll sing at a cappella, single harmony part if you know it. Think about these words and ask God to make us holy tonight. Give us an introduction there, Mr. Rachel.
4: Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. Mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. On the fourth, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy. In earth and sky and sea, holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity.
3: There are times where Matthew looks up at me and I can tell there's a look in his eye that says, Dad, I want to be just like you. He used to tell me that when he was really little. doesn't as much say that anymore, but sometimes I can see it in his eye. As we sing that song, I hope you look up to God and you tell God, I want to be just like you. I want to be holy just like you. I hope that's your prayer. I hope the Holy Spirit's working in your heart tonight. Will you go home tonight and reflect on the sermon a little bit more? Reflect on this series and ask God to help you live a life where the Holy Spirit's in charge. Amen? Let's close with a word of prayer tonight. Brother John Seguru, if you would, close us in prayer. God bless you. You're dismissed.